Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you can, we invite you to turn your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 22 as John brings a message about how we need to be digging some prayer ditches. If you were here last week, you remember that we studied a passage in 2 Kings where three kings joined together to go to Moab to fight against the Moabites. And as they were traveling to Moab, they were going through the desert, and they came to a really dry place in the desert. And so they thought, if we don't find some water, we're going to die. We've got to have water to live. Our animals have got to have water to live. This is a panic-type situation. And so they went to Elisha, the man of God, and they told him the situation. And they said, Elisha, what should we do in the absence of water? So Elisha took some time. He prayed. He got a word from God. And then he told them what God had told him to say. He said, here's the bottom line. God is going to send water in your desert. He is. But before he does that, you've got to dig some ditches first. And if you will, by faith, dig some ditches, then God will send the water. And so they dug the ditches and miraculously, supernaturally, mysteriously, God sent water, not through wind and rain. He did it a totally different way. They dug the ditches, and God sent the water. And so last week we were talking about that, about the importance of digging ditches in our lives. And and the application of that is endless. For example, today there may be people here, and there probably are, and you would say, John, at this time in my life, our family is in a financial desert. We're just really struggling to make ends meet. And for many in that boat... You have a good job, you've got money coming in, and you're trying to figure out, how could we have money coming in and not being able to make ends meet? Well, sometimes when you get in a situation like that, you have to dig a ditch, you have to make a budget, and you have to say, we're going to try to live within this budget, we're going to try to live below our means, we're not going to put ourselves in excessive debt, buying things and putting everything on credit cards and that we can't afford, and so we have to dig a financial ditch sometime, and when we do that, God will send the water. The water, by the way, represents the provision of God, the blessing of God, the healing of God, the goodness of God, it just represents God himself. Sometimes we get in a, in a relationship ditch, maybe within our families, or maybe a co-worker, or maybe a friend, and, and all of a sudden where there once was peace and harmony and love and everything was great, now there's tension and conflict and strife, and, and so we think, well, man, what, what do I need to do? Well, we have to dig a ditch. What do we have to do? We have to go to somebody and apologize for maybe being rude or maybe being selfish and ask them to forgive us. And, and sometimes they apologize to us, and so we have to forgive them, and we have to extend kindness, and we have to extend love, and we can't hold grudges, and we can't be mad, and, and we have to walk in, in the fruit of the Spirit like that. You see, when we dig a ditch in any area of our lives, what are we doing? We're doing our part. We're being responsible, and then God supernaturally will send the water to meet the need. Open your Bible, if you would, to Numbers chapter 9. 
Numbers chapter 9. Numbers is the fourth book in the Bible. And in chapter number 9, we find that the children of Israel are out in the middle of the desert, and God is leading them. But I want you to see this part about the cloud. In Numbers chapter 9, in verse 15, the Bible says, Now on the day that the tabernacle was raised up or lifted up. In other words, Moses had built a tabernacle out there in the desert for the people to worship God in. The cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of the testimony. From evening until morning, it was above the tabernacle like the appearance of fire. So it was always the cloud covered it by day and the appearance of fire by night. Now watch verse 17. Whenever the cloud was taken up or lifted up from above the tabernacle, after that the children of Israel would journey. And in the place where the cloud settled... There the children of Israel would pitch their tents. You know, in our lives, we need, as we try to discern God's will, we need to try to to figure out where the cloud is. Is the cloud leading us somewhere new? Or has the cloud settled in and telling us to remain where we are? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. For me, even in the preaching part of my life, when I'm up here preaching, I want to be under the cloud. I want to be preaching under the presence of God. I want to be preaching in the will of God, preaching about what God's Spirit wants me to preach. And I felt last Monday morning that God was saying to me, John, this whole idea of digging ditches, doing your part, being responsible, the cloud has settled in right there. And so you go out there next week and talk about it again. And so that's what I'm about to do. Now, as I thought about that, as the week went on, I want our emphasis today to be specifically on digging some prayer ditches, some prayer ditches. All of us in our lives, see, I believe this, and I know you do too, and the Bible teaches us that God wants to send some fresh water into our lives and into our families, and into our relationships, and even into our physical health. God wants to send some fresh water into our church, and into our community, and into our nation, and into our world. God wants to send some water, but we have to dig some ditches. The one statement that I got home last Sunday, and I thought I should have made the statement just that plain, so I want to say this today, because I think it's been implied, but I want to say this today to those here and to those listening at home who would say, John, I am in a desert of some kind. Here is the Word of God for you today. In your desert, there is water. You believe that? Say amen. In your desert, there's water. You have to know that. That is God's provision, but you've got to dig some ditches. Now, turn to the right in your Bible, several books, to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is one of the major prophets and a fascinating book. I want us to look at one verse in chapter number 22 as we think about digging some prayer ditches. And today, I'm going to make a challenge. I'll say it now and come back to it at the end. I'm going to challenge you beginning tomorrow, unless you're already doing this, to somehow, some way, carve into your daily schedule 30 minutes where you can pray. And I'm going to give you some things specifically today that we can all pray about 30 minutes a day so that that will be the, the prayer ditch and the time that you dig that ditch every day. Ezekiel 22, verse 30. God is speaking. Now, God's in heaven, of course. And God's looking down on earth at the people of Israel, His people. And He sees sin, rebellion, They're not walking with him. They're committing spiritual adultery, bad situation. But God did not want to judge the people. God wanted to bless the people. God wanted to do something good, but he knew he couldn't bless sin. So look what, in verse 30, 
God said, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. God says, I'm looking down from heaven on my people. I see all the things that are wrong. I know that eventually I must judge and punish sin, but I don't want to do that. These are my people. I love my people. I want to bless them, but somebody needs to stand in the gap and pray for them and intercede for my forgiveness, and then I can forgive them, and then I could bless them. But God said, I didn't find anybody. I didn't find anybody who would stand in the gap. And so today, I want us to take this challenge to stand in the gap for some areas I'm going to mention today and other areas certainly that God will bring into your mind. And if we will stand in the gap, I believe if we will dig the ditch, that God will send the water and that God will meet every need in our lives. Now, I want to mention four different areas today that we need to be praying for. And I'm sure many of us are. Maybe you're praying for all these areas already, or maybe you're not. But I would encourage you one way or the other, let's try to work these areas into our prayer life. First of all, I would encourage you to pray for the disasters that are happening in the world today. We are living in a time of unprecedented natural disasters. And the Bible teaches that As we come to the end of the age, as we get closer to that time when Jesus is going to come back and we're going to be taken out of here to heaven, that natural disasters will increase in frequency and in intensity. In fact, if you'll turn, uh, let me just read it to you out of Matthew chapter 24. Let me just read this. In chapter number 24 of Matthew in verse number 7, Jesus said, here's how you can know that the world is coming to an end. Listen to this, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and there will be earthquakes in various places. And he said, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. And so when you see these things happen, you know that God is speaking. I want to say this, God doesn't cause the natural disasters. The natural disasters happen for a lot of different reasons. One of the reasons they happen is because the earth on which we live is unsteady. It is unstable. And just like you and I are longing and yearning for the return of Jesus Christ so we can be taken out of a sinful world, taken into heaven to be with God in our new bodies, just like we long for that, the earth is groaning for that too. Read in Romans chapter 8 that the earth groans. And when the earth groans, there's an earthquake. Every time there's an earthquake, the earth is just groaning. And the earth is saying, something's not right. This is not the way God meant for it to be. And so we need to pray that when a natural disaster happens, that our minds and other people's minds would immediately begin to think the Bible. The Bible said there will be disasters. And that's a warning to us that we're living at the end of time. And so what I'm saying, as we turn our news on, And as we pray, you know, I heard Billy Graham, when he got older in life and he couldn't preach or do anything like he used to do, he would watch the news a lot during the day, and he would use the news as something to help him to pray, because he basically was praying for world events. And so we need to pray, God, first of all, all these people who are experiencing this, be merciful to them. Stop the fires and stop the floods. But God, while it's happening, help us to know that through nature, you're speaking and you're telling us that we're living in 
unprecedented times, and we're living in, in the end times. Now, second thing we need to pray for, not only disasters, we need to pray for this disease. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus said, here's how you're going to know you're coming to the end. There are going to be famines and wars and all these uprisings, and there's going to be earthquakes, but there's also going to be pestilences. What does it mean? It means plagues. I see all these students over here today, and I, when, I, when I see you guys, and, and we're all so glad that you're here today. Years ago at Breaking Free, they, were, they brought in a speaker, a really good speaker. He came in multiple times, a guy named Wade Morris. Wade is one of the greatest youth communicators that I've ever heard, and I, he was loved by our people. Say, tell you something interesting about Wade. He was known as the barefoot preacher because when he would preach, he didn't wear shoes. He was barefoot. And the reason was he took that passage out of Exodus 3 where God said to Moses, take your feet off, you're standing on holy ground. And he said to me, there's nothing more holy than preaching. So he's a barefoot preacher. And this summer he's been preaching all over the nation at these different youth camps. They had a great Falls Creek and a lot of kids got saved. And he had posted that or put that on his Twitter page. This many people got saved. It was really great. Gets back to Birmingham where he and his wife and his kids live. Starts feeling bad. What's happening? I don't know what it is. Ends up going to the emergency room, ends up being admitted, ends up getting put on a ventilator, ends up developing blood clots, ends up dying. 51 years old, healthy as any human being I've ever known in my life. He got COVID and he died. This man had run 20-something marathons in his life. And so when I read that, the last tweet, you ought to go home today and look at Wade Morris' Twitter. Read his last tweet. It's, it's, it's beautiful, and it's sacred and holy now. There he is preaching to all these students. But what I'm saying is we need to pray that God, who is not only our Savior, but God, who is our healer, Jehovah Rapha, that he from heaven would speak the word and that this plague would be gone from the planet. That's what we need to be praying for. And we need to pray for people who are sick, that God would heal their bodies. We need to pray the rest of us, that we would stay healthy, but we need to pray for the disease. The third thing we need to pray for, and I think we'll all agree with this, we need to pray for the division in our country. We are a divided country at this time. I was reading, and it's quite concerning to me, by the way. I was reading in Matthew chapter 12 the other night before I went to bed, and Jesus made an interesting statement. He said, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. That's what Jesus said. A kingdom divided against it, a house divided against itself, cannot, a nation divided against itself cannot stand. Now, in my lifetime, and I know from history, there have been other times in American history where we've been more divided. The country was more divided during the Civil War than we are now, so it's been worse. We were more divided probably during the 1960s than we are now. I'm just saying in my lifetime, we are more divided than we have ever been. And there's so much anger. That, I think the thing that concerns me now is there just seems to be anger, unprecedented anger. And if somebody disagrees with somebody else, whereas used to, we could disagree with each other without coming at each other. And as I was preparing this part of the sermon, I felt like God gave me a, a, a statement that I want to make today. And I know that you believe it. I mean, it's, if you believe the Bible, you have to believe this. But this may be the most important thing that anybody could say when it comes to the state of our country right now. We as Americans, and, and, and remember this, we are Americans, and so I'm not preaching today to the whole world, I'm preaching to us, but it's got to start somewhere, so why not here? We've got to figure out a way 
to disagree with each other without hating each other. I mean, we do. I mean, God says that the way the world is going to know that we belong to Him is that we have love for each other. You know, sometimes I see things on the news, and I see something that somebody's doing, and I just think to myself, that's nuts. I mean, that is just so crazy. That, that's not rational. That doesn't make sense. And I say to myself, I disagree with that. Well, you know what? That's okay. We have the right to disagree. But just because I disagree with somebody, that doesn't give me the right to hate somebody. And that's true in our personal lives, and it's true as a nation. So let's pray that God would bring healing and that God would bring unity and that even with people that we might disagree with, we could still walk in love and say, you know, they have their opinion. Honestly, I think they're, they're, you know, they're, out, to, they're out to lunch on that one. I don't think they're, they're a little bit wrong. But you know what? That doesn't give me an excuse to hate them. I'm supposed to love them, and I'm supposed to walk in love. And then I would encourage you also, we're praying for disasters, diseases, and we're praying for the division in our country that we would have our opinions and have our convictions and always to stand on the teachings of Scripture. But remember, part of the teachings of Scripture is that we're supposed to love and also that we would pray for the details of our lives. You know, every one of us here today, in addition to what I've mentioned nationally and globally and medically and all this, we all have our own lives. We have our families. We have things going on in our lives. And we need to be in prayer that God you know, that God would intervene and that God would move and that God would restore and that God would heal and that God would give wisdom and direction for whatever decisions we're facing. And I'm encouraging you, beginning tomorrow, if you don't do it already, to set aside 30 minutes a day. You say, John, 30 minutes is a long time. On the one hand, it is a long time. On the other hand, it's one sitcom. That's what 30 minutes amounts to. It's one show. To get in the presence of God... And I've given you a four-point outline here. Either use that or make your own. Or some days, you know, we just sit before the Lord and we're just silent. But we're in His presence and we're listening. And we're praying for His involvement in our lives and in our families. And what are we doing? We're digging a ditch. We're under the cloud. That is, we're we're in God's will as best as we can be in God's will. We're digging a ditch. We're doing our part. We're waiting for God to send the water. Now... Last week, as I was thinking about this, I had a strange thought run through my mind. I want to tell you this, then we'll stop today. I uh, was thinking about God, and I was thinking about my four grandparents. All my grandparents are in heaven today. And for some reason, I started thinking about my granddad on my mom's side, my maternal grandfather. named We called him Pop. His name was Otis Webb. And I got to thinking... I don't know how everything is in heaven. You know, people always ask, when you get to heaven, do you know what's happening on the earth? My, understand, my answer to that question, my understanding of the Bible is, you would never know anything bad that happened on earth because that would make you sad. And in heaven, there's not going to be any sadness. But I can't help but believe that when something good happens on earth, that God doesn't let our family members who are already in heaven know about it. And so I got to play in my, you ever do this like with your sanctified imagination? I got thinking about heaven and I got thinking about pop and I got thinking about God. And I thought, I wonder what would happen today if pop walked up to God and said, God, I'm just curious, where's old John? How's he doing down there on earth now? What would God say to pop? Well, certainly he would say, well, Otis, I'll, I'll tell you about John. He, he's still down there. He's still down there in Pasadena. 
Still, in pa- he's been there a long time. God, yes, he has. He, that's what the people all think. He's been there a long time. He's still there, still at First Baptist, still preaching. Really? God said, yes, yes, I hear him every week. Well, how's he doing? How's he doing, God? Well, now, as far as what God would say to my granddad about how I'm doing, I don't know the answer to that question. I'll have to wait until I stand before Jesus at judgment, and then at that time he can give his appraisal of my life, and he will, and of yours when it's your turn. But as I got thinking about this imaginary conversation between Pop and God, and I got thinking about all these images in my mind, the cloud, God's will, the ditches doing our part, the water, God's provision, just kind of playing this out. I would hope that God could have said to Pop last week when Pop said, God, not necessarily where is John, but how's he doing and what's he doing? I would give anything if God would have said, well, Otis, I'll tell you. He's down there in Pasadena. He's under the cloud. He's in my will for his life. He's digging some ditches, especially some prayer ditches. And as he digs those ditches, he is anticipating an abundance of water. My goodness, my refreshment, my spirit. But while he waits on the water, he is learning to be satisfied with my presence and to be trusting in my plan. Father, I thank you today that in the Bible you give us these analogies about clouds and and ditches and water so that we can understand, so that we can see it in in our mind, and so that we can meditate on these analogies as we go through the day, with your head bowed and eyes closed, as best as you know God's will for your life, are you under the cloud? The cloud will never lead you where the Word of God prevents you from going. Are you under the cloud? If not, Use these moments now to talk to God, to do business with God, to confess sin, to ask God to lead you in the right way so that you would be following that cloud, that you would be under that cloud. How about this? Are you digging any prayer ditches in your life, anticipating a a miraculous intervention from God? Would you be willing to make a commitment? I tell you what, you know, sometimes we talk about making a commitment. We think, do I have to do this for the rest of my life? How about this? Would you be willing to make a commitment that beginning tomorrow through next Saturday, it's a six-day commitment, that you would say, God, I don't know if I can do this forever. I don't know about that. But I will make a commitment for six days to pray 30 minutes a day. For what John's talked about today or for whatever else that comes to my heart. I'll make a six-day commitment. If you'll do that, that means between now and the time you come back in here next Sunday, you will have prayed three hours. You'll have dug some serious prayer ditches in three hours. And God will honor that. And God, once you do what you can do, will begin to do what only He can do. Restore, heal, provide. Lift that burden. Take away that fear. Answer that question. 
meet that need. If you'll dig the ditch, he'll send the water. I believe people are taking that six-day challenge right now. Others here today would say, John, you know what? I'm in a desert, but that thing about having the living water in me, I don't believe I have that. I, I don't think there's ever been a time in my life when I have received Jesus Christ to be my Lord and to be my Savior. I'm not sure that I'm saved. If you're not sure that you're saved, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And you can pray this prayer all over this room. You can pray this prayer in the privacy of your home. And God will answer it and he will save you right now. Just pray this. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. And I trust you to do it. I trust you, Jesus. Welcome to my heart. Begin now to make me the person that you want me to be. Amen. For those of you who have prayed to receive Christ as your Savior today, we would love to know about it and to rejoice with you in your decision. Please let us know by sending an email to info at peacebybelieving.org. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.